Unfortunately, we are still dealing with an outbreak of Omicron. That will most likely be the case for, well, the foreseeable future. If you would like to send me an email, please do so. 2smsupernetwork.com, click on the feedback icon, and of course you can call the open line 131269. Now, one bloke that we spoke to quite regularly, in fact, on the weekly, every Monday morning, was Greens MP David Shoebridge, who uh, contributed greatly to the program last year. Unfortunately, David was caught up in a COVID case himself over the Christmas New Year period. I'm, I'm sure he's feeling a lot better. Let's catch up with Dave. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, Marcus. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, my friend. How are you feeling? Oh, yeah, good. I mean, you know, recovered from COVID. Unfortunately, despite, you know, very significant efforts of uh, everyone self-isolating at home, unfortunately, the uh, everyone in the family came down with COVID. But we've all pulled through. Um, uh, you know, it knocked me around for about a week, um, one way or another. Uh, the, the kids... Both, I've got two teenage daughters. They they pretty much shrugged it off within about forty eight hours each. They, you know, which was which was very good. We're all double vaccinated. Um, it did affect my life a bit more. You know, it it really sort of knocked around for a bit longer. But we've all recovered now. And um, you know, I think we've experienced what tens and tens and tens of thousands of Australians across the country have experienced or will be experiencing um, in the next little bit. And you know, it was it was it was pretty it was pretty frustrating over Christmas, of course. Everyone felt yeah. isolating in yeah. different places, um, mm. but um, you know, we we've got through it now. Uh, we've had a bit of a break um, after it all, and uh, looking forward to, um, to to what we can do this year. Well, there are challenges afoot. There's no doubt about that um, for the new year. Um, COVID nineteen, it's it is the the major story at the moment. Uh, that you say there needs to be greater investment in health, especially in regional health, and of course, fully free rapid antigen tests to be made available. Yeah, I mean that just seems to be completely non-negotiable. I know mm. from our own experience as family, you know, um, the rapid antigen testing was was critical for us. I mean, the delays of getting a PCR testing were. In one case, it took more than 10 days to get a PCR test back. Yeah. We ended up relying upon tests that were delivered by a neighbour of ours who'd got them from the UK where they hand them out free through the NHS. They were the exact tests that we used. Mm. Um, and, um, and, and you know, they, they just it's essential that you, people are able to, to test themselves, test their kids, test their family. Yep. And it shouldn't be a question of if you've got the money, you can test and keep yourself and your family and your friends and and um, parts of your family safe. They've got yeah. to be freely available to everybody because, you know, I, I thought we were all meant to be in this together and surely a core part of that is if rapid antigen tests are going to be a core plank of how we keep each other safe going forward, they have to be freely available to everybody. They do it in the UK. Mm. Uh, they've been doing it in the UK for, 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 you know, for over a year. Um um, it just seems incredible that we have this ideological approach in, in Australia that we can't interfere with the market, as though we would let the market determine who can and can't be healthy. No, well, I mean, that's an American type of model. It's <sighs> not going to fly here in Australia, considering we all pay a Medicare levy, most of us are in a health fund, and, you know, uh, we do pay already. Uh, there will be some free tests available. There's been a couple of backflips there from the federal and state level, thank goodness, which is good. Yeah. Um, but I'm worried. Uh, sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, but that's only for people who have got a, um, a healthcare card. True. I mean, what, what, what happens in, U, in the UK is you, you, you just go online and you, you say you want some rapid antigen tests, you register, and then you turn up to the chemist and you pick it up. Right. Um, and why don't we have that system in Australia? It is just so obvious and sensible. Yeah, and that's regardless of yeah. whether um, you're receiving a, a pension or not. So, look, you're right, because in order to get a free rat test, you need to be on welfare, either a pensioner or somebody who's yeah. receiving some sort of income support. So, effectively, they're not free for everybody. No, and if, you, if you're, you know, you're living in Sydney, paying your mortgage, mm. both of you, maybe one of you is having trouble with work because of COVID. Yeah. Um, where are you going to find the hundred bucks a week to get rapid antigen testing to test your family? I mean, it's just ridiculous concept. Um, uh, you know, so we've had a partial backflip. I think it's about time we got we got a complete one hundred percent backflip. Yeah. There's something like what the UK has. You can register. You can then go and pick up your free rapid antigen test. We can all keep each other safe, regardless of how much money's in our wallets. And <laughs> The, the other thing, Marcus, I've been, I've had a, a bunch of people contacting me very anxious in the regions. Um, they worry if, well, when Omicron comes and really hits the regions, they yeah. worry about the, um, the ability, particularly of regional hospitals. Are they adequately staffed? Have they had the kind of investment necessary? They worry about the number of ICU units. I think that's a very real concern. And I've got to say, it's going to be front and center of my, my inquiries with the government over the next week and a fortnight. To, to see what additional resources are going into regional health. All right, we know from today, uh, children aged between 5 to 12 are effectively um, able to get vaccinated. Um, that will be good for many who can. Of course, we're, we're looking at a, a, a February the 1st start date for school children here in New South Wales. Queensland have put it off a week. Should we be looking at doing something similar or do you think we're okay? Well, Queensland have put it back a fortnight, and, and oh, fortnight. Uh, the Premier up there has okay. said that, I mean, her statement was she didn't want to see kids returning to school unvaccinated at the peak of an Omicron wave. Um, that seemed to me a pretty sensible kind of position to adopt. Um, in New South Wales, the, it's just computer says no, coming from the Premier, um, won't sit down and, and negotiate, you know, a you know, even talk about if there are alternatives to just throwing everyone back at school. Now, there are hugely important reasons to get kids back to school. Good for social, um, socialisation of kids, um, good for families to get kids back to school. But, you know, I mean, I've had a bunch of GPs um, messaging me over the last few days concerned that they haven't got the supplies necessary to start vaccinating five to 11-year-old kids. Um, there's a, a minimum three-week delay between the two shots for those five to 11-year-old kids. Uh, if the kids aren't vaccinated, yeah, I, the, the evidence seems to be that there's a very, very low risk of severe illness amongst kids, which yeah. is terrific. Yeah. But they, they, transmit, uh, they transmit COVID. They transmit COVID to teachers and to the other staff there and in, in, in schools. You know, I think we should have an open mind... Um, over the next week or so and work out what the safest approach and the best approach to return to school is and, and maybe the Queensland approach of a delay to allow that surge of vaccinations to really take effect to 5 to 11-year-old kids, not only keeping the kids safe, keeping the teachers and all the support staff safe as well. I think we should have an open mind about it and, and see how effective the vaccine rollout uh, will be over the next week. Is the Premier trying to strip away COVID workers' compensation protections uh, for frontline workers? Yeah, incredibly he is. I mean, it's just, you, you couldn't believe it. You know, we're in the middle of a peak. He's actually 
removing the protections for frontline workers at the moment, saying that they have to go back to work even if they're close contacts and continue to go back. This is transport workers, this is people working in our supermarkets and distribution centres, you know, the frontline workers. I mean, I, I moved laws last year, well, the year before last actually now, um, that for the first time ever ensured that frontline workers, if they get COVID, because they're most likely to get it being exposed in the would be guaranteed protection for workers' mm, comp. They yeah. would have their, their wages met, they'd have their medical bills met. For most people, it's just a couple of weeks off, you know, a week or a couple of weeks off. They recover, they get better, they go back to work. But if they get a severe illness, they're protected as well. Um, and because the uh, of some really rubbish costings that the government um, had delivered, they now want to strip away those guaranteed protections for frontline workers. They made it a big part of their campaign at the end of last year. We're going to have that fight again when Parliament returns. And I can tell you now, we will, as a Greens MP, I will be backing in those amendments we put in place to ensure frontline workers are protected, especially now. Yeah. Because on the one hand, he wants to strip away frontline workers' COVID protections. And on the other hand, he's forcing them all to go back to work, even if they're close contacts. And, you know, the TWU and others have raised very real concerns about that. All right, David, when will you be able to start quizzing the government on all of these decisions? What's happening with the state parliament? Well, well, starting next week, we get a bunch of inquiries kicking in. Um, that includes sort of ramping up towards that workers' comp inquiry. Um, and I can tell you now I'm talking with my Labor colleagues and some other colleagues in the crossbench over the next 48 hours to see if we... We, we pull together um, a short, sharp hearing where we get some health officials together, some education officials together, particularly some regional health officials together, and we find out if there is actually a plan to deal with COVID in New South Wales and where the additional resources are needed. Um, and I'll, let you, I'll, I'll keep, keep you in the loop, obviously, Marcus, about that. Yep. I think that can't be delayed, um, and I think we should pull together a short, sharp um, hearing to that effect sometime next week if we can. All right, mate. Always good to have you on. Look forward to our conversations uh, throughout 2022. It's important, uh, you know, it, it more, I think, now more than ever uh, to try and hold government accountable. And, you know, it's important to scrutinise decisions that are made. Um, you know, we'll agree yeah. with many, we'll disagree with a lot. And, and that's what's important about democracy. David, thank you very much for your time, as always. Cheers, Marcus. Good speaking.